Hello, this is On the Floor with Wayne Highlander and Rob Johnson. I'm Wayne Highlander, National Sales Manager of Bone Adhesives. And I'm Rob Johnson from Bona Training. We have a special guest with us today, Rob, uh, someone that I've known for a long time in this business. Uh, we have Chris Stotes with us today. How you doing, Chris? I'm fine. Thank you. Glad to be here. I uh, appreciate you making the time. I'm going to give a little bit of background about yourself. Uh, Chris is a third generation uh, involved in the flooring business um, that goes with manufacturing, distribution, installation of wood flooring. Um, Christine Coates founded Coates and Associates in 1999 after serving as president of the National Wood Flooring Association. And she created a national brand for several international flooring manufacturers. Continuing the family, family legacy of personal relationships with top mills and wood flooring professionals worldwide, Coach and Associates, Associates employs their knowledge and experience to source the ideal wood flooring solutions to each client. But I remember the first time I ever spoke with you, as before I had ever met you. And I'm going to tell on myself a little bit here. Um, I was a young kid in the flooring business, and um, you know, I, I would bought my material from Golden State Floors back before they, you know, that back in the old location, back in way back in the days. And um, I had a technical question. So I called the distributor with my technical question and um, the usual people I would talk to, uh, they, they said, you know what, with this question, you need to talk to Chris Coates. And they gave me to you. And honestly, I thought they were blowing me off because, <laughs> I, I, it, but in my defense, <laughs> Those guys on the counter were, that was, I mean, you know, you, you talk about uh, an all-star team and uh, uh, knowledge in the flooring industry. But uh, with my technical question, they passed me to you. I had never met you before. And I had asked you my question. And I want to say that's going back well over 35 years. And I remember that phone call to this day because you absolutely blew my mind with your knowledge. And I oh. come away going, wow. I mean, I, and then I had to know, well, who is this person? I've never seen you there. I've never talked to you before. But, man, you had so much information. You answered my question, the technical question, and then above and beyond that. So that was my first introduction to, to you. So you got all upset because they were going to transfer you to a girl. Well, I didn't <laughs> know it was a girl at the time. <laughs> and no. like I said, I mean, you look, you had Dick. Dick on the that would answer the phone and Jack and uh, I mean really I mean that that was there's so much information there and I have to say and this is maybe uh this is a, maybe uh not that distributors need a lesson from me but as a young kid not knowing the trade and just learning the trade and I was a nobody uh, and and after 40 years I still managed to be a nobody but but. Back then, I didn't know anything, and I and I would I'd reach out, and they always at that distributor, they always treated me like I was somebody, and they always made me feel like I was important to their business and I was special, even though I was in, at the time I was just one guy and uh, working by myself out of the back of a, you know, a station wagon, really. And but when I went in there and I went, walked through those doors, I felt like I was important to them, and so that always uh, always stuck with me. Well, you were important to us. I mean, no, seriously. I mean, our dad and Dick um, always taught us that the flooring contractor is the most important person in this business. There was never a doubt. You know, yeah. none of us would be, you know, you could make all the wood flooring in the world that you want, but if there isn't a flooring contractor that can put it in successfully, we're all in trouble. 
Yeah, and that's also, you never know. I mean, you know, a lot of times we know the big names in the business. You know, we know the guys that have 10 crews and 15 crews and 20 guys out in the field and the big names and the fancy bands. But that kid just starting out is, is, is can be a pretty important customer too, huh? That's right. That's exactly right. Oh, Chris, you've seen a lot in this industry. Uh, you know, it's, it's been your, in, you know, your life has been in the flooring industry. What are the, some, the biggest changes you've seen and some of the biggest challenges that uh, in the industry today, do you think? Um, I think probably the change from almost 100%, almost 100% unfinished flooring in my day to um, both engineered and also pre-finished flooring. I mean, the pre-finished flooring that we first started getting was uh, wax-finished solid wood flooring. There was a little bit of engineered pre-finished, but very, very little. Um, and there's just so much more now and, and actually very good quality stuff. Yeah. That's probably been one of the biggest changes. Um, also, I'd say carpet companies. What we used to say is we, we worked with flooring contractors, um, which we meant wood flooring contractors. Mm-hmm. Um, and carpet stores weren't really a big part of our business because they didn't really touch wood flooring back then. It was beyond their either skill level and or equipment. They just didn't have the personnel that were trained in that area. Um, but engineered pre-finished flooring slowly made it more and more accessible to them. Yeah. So that's probably one of the bigger changes. And then of course the change where we went from in the finishing side of the business where we went from the shellacs and lacquers to the polyurethanes and the stains in our part of the world mm-hmm. and uh, steel wool pads and yeah. steel wool reels and mm-hmm. um, hard plates were everything parquet, lots and lots of finger block parquets. I mean, it was, I think, gosh, 20% of the warehouse was finger block parquets at one time. Wow. Um, yeah. Just, I mean, the products change, the technology changes, equipment changes, there's been quite a few water yeah. finishes. Yep. You know, you walk in the warehouse and some distributors, uh, five, even five and 10 years ago, and it would be 80% hardwood and or solid wood rather and 20% engineered. Mm-hmm. And now just in a matter of some areas, just five years, it flipped where it was mm-hmm. 20%, 20% solid and, and 80% engineered. And, and I guess for the consumer, there's a lot of choices, you know, out there now than, than they ever had in the past. You know, with the, you know, we never used to talk about texture, wire brushing, and that, you know, we just sanded the floors. But now texture is a big deal. Um, so with the, the zero VOCs and the oils and that kind of stuff, it's a different game now. Hey, Chris, um, so that was your grandfather that started your business? How did he get started? He actually got started by... Um, well, before he started Golden State Flooring, he worked for a lumber company. And uh, I was told his nickname was Carload Coats because he sold, back then, construction lumber. And part of the construction package would be the wood flooring um, for the project. Wood flooring back then was primarily you know, purchased by the builder. And I'm talking about the late teens, early 20s. Um, And he was noticed by Alan Harris of Harris Manufacturing. And at that time, Alan Harris had the idea to open up distribution that would focus on his product lines. And he opened up several distributors around the country uh, by partnering with my grandfather. And they launched Golden State Flooring in 1926, I believe. 
And he did the same thing with Dura flooring. And there's another one down in, there, I think there were several that he did around the country. So yeah, so my grandfather started Golden State Flooring back then. Carload, they mean train carload. Yeah, tra- because yeah, everything came by carload. Carload. Yeah, I always wow. remember the train, the, we always had to have a warehouse that was backed up um, to a train uh, spur, rail spur. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, and, the, and the cars would come in and they'd start unloading. And of course, in our area, the big floor was the 516th strip flooring or plank flooring. The old Hoboken floors in New Jersey, that's how they had it too. They had Mm -hmm. the uh, capabilities for a train to pull right into the warehouse. Yep. Well, transportation was a really important aspect of the cost of wood flooring when you're all the way out on the West Coast. And trains were the way to go. Mm. Do you think that's why 516s came into the the Bay Area? Was was it that shipping was, was, you know, it cost less to move it out there? I've heard a lot of different theories about it. Um, I don't know. That's a very good yeah. question, Wayne. I've yeah. never, I've never con- thought of it in that sense because it yeah. certainly, I think, is a lot more labor intensive to install than tongue and groove. Though yeah. it's a heck of a lot easier for all that border work that was standard yeah. practice. Yeah, seems like there's little pockets of the country that did the five sixteens, but you're right. The border work with that was incredible and actually yeah. e- e- easy to do. Yeah, by it was exactly, and um, and very much cons- standard to have, yeah. have framed floors with or without a feature strip or a more elaborate border, but always yeah. at least a frame around the floor, never yeah. just laid edge to edge. Yeah, yeah, you're mm-hmm. so right, right about that. Uh, I was a- happy to see actually that a, a floor of the year was won with a five sixteenths floor this year. Yeah, yeah, I, I was, love that. I thought it was great. Yeah, I thought so too. Uh, that's a nod to all the old school floor guys mm-hmm. out there. Yeah, and he had his he had his nail line straight too. Yes, I <laughs> I, yeah. I I zoomed out to see that myself. Yeah, mm-hmm. pretty funny. Uh, so uh, you know, it, it's interesting that this is a very male dominated industry. Obviously, uh, despite the fact that most of the consumer de- decisions are probably made by women. Um, so, what are the, some of the challenges, Chris, that you've seen over your over your the course of your career with women in this in this industry that is such a uh, male dominated industry? Oh, you know, personally, I, I really haven't felt um, particularly at a disadvantage. Um, I used to have that same situation you talked about where somebody would come into the office and have a question about a product or a, a technical question, and the guys at the counter would answer something, and then they'd look over their shoulder at me, and then I'd <laughs> say a word or two, and, and, you know, the questions would always be directed at the guys. But um, in the end, I'd end up standing there at the counter having the discussion with whoever it was that had the question. I, I feel that the flooring contractors that I grew up with that we met from the small to the, the very largest were always very polite. They're always very kind and willing to, to give you a chance. They were gentlemen. So they weren't going to be rude. They, they might be a little cautious, but they, they, were, they were always kind and, and gave me a chance to talk. And then that usually got me past whatever point I needed to be, to be listened to. Yeah. Um, you know, I think in a lot of ways, you're a pioneer in this industry. I mean, you're, you're also a president of the NWFA, I believe the second one. Uh, was it mm-hmm. 1996 or somewhere thereabouts? The second uh, woman, yes, after Johnny yeah. McSwain. Mm-hmm. And then what was that experience like being the president of the NWFA? 
you know, it, it, it was, uh, it was fun. It was, um, it was just another step though, because, uh, along with the men who founded the NWFA, my father being one of them, I got thrown into the mix. The NWFA was strictly run by, it was a volunteer, um, organization. The only, there was almost no one on the payroll. Bonnie Holmes was one of the few. Mm -hmm. And I think Virgil, um, funded her, her salary or maybe split it with the NWFA to get us started. But so right away, if, you know, my dad threw me into the mix of, you know, whether it be stuffing envelopes, making phone calls, um, Bob Fuller uh, and I did membership for a while with, of course, wow. Gertrude doing the majority of the work, but Bob mm -hmm. doing, you know, the front, the front face work. Um, and um, so you just sort of stepped up and, and you know, you went from, from position to position. Um, Claude Taylor of Memphis Chickasaw was actually the first one that invited me to serve on a committee. And then from there, I went to being a chairman and got involved with other committees and then on the board of directors. And it was just kind of a stepping stone um, to become president. You know, you had all this very good group of people that you'd worked with for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. When did train, was training always in the cards for the NWFA? Uh, when did that start? How, how long into the organization did they start having the schools? Almost immediately. Um, Dennis, oh gosh, what's Dennis's last name? Um, Ralph Singer, basically, I think, volunteered Dennis, and I'm, I'm terrible, I can't remember his last okay. name, as one of the first major instructors to lead an NWFA school. Okay. So... Yeah, I, it was almost from the very beginning, we realized that that was, uh, for the NWFA, that was a very important part of what we did. Training, yeah. help the flooring contractor. Help the and, flooring and, contractor, we help every part of the business. Yeah, and, and that that you you did. I mean, uh, I, I owe a lot, a lot of my career to the NWFA. I'll say that every time I get a chance to, because uh, through the training and the education that I got through there, I mean, really, you know, and I, I was, uh, you know, my, my, uh, I learned to trade from my uncle, but he only took me so far. You know, it's interesting how people learn this trade. I mean, if you ask, how come you do things a certain way? Well, my uncle did, or my dad did. Sure. Uh, to be able to get this knowledge from this group of people across the whole country that are so willing to give, uh, it, it, I think it's been fantastic for the industry. Well, the not the Knoxville schools were terrific, you know, those were the first schools and they were just terrific twice a year, um, led by Mickey Moore and some excellent guys. I still think of Roland Holder as one of the more important men in my life in terms of wood flooring, teaching me, you know, they just had so much knowledge. They've been doing it for so long. Roland, of course, having um, a large gymnasium business down in, gosh, I think he was, was it Louisiana? Down in the southeast, though. The southeast. Oh. Or the south. Wow. You know, Wayne, Chris just touched on something that we love to talk about with the training. Did you notice it? Yep. That's uh, in our DNA as well. How What's she that? said about the more we train, the more people get trained, it's better for everybody. Oh, sure. Yeah. like, And we have a saying here at uh, on the floor, you know, a rising tide. Uh, what, how's I'm that not, go, Wayne? The, I'm not going to try. The, I'm, the, I'm not falling for this the again. Rising tide <laughs> raises uh, raises everybody. Raises everybody's raises boats. Ships. That's yeah. it. Right. Boats yeah. all the boats. Yep. That, yeah. That's it. That's our favorite <laughs> now, saying, isn't it, Wayne? 
I think we uh, almost I, got that out there. Too. I'm not even trying anymore. We've screwed this up so much, Chris, that uh, we don't even, I don't even want to go there. <laughs> Chris, I have a question. You were president. Sure. Do you think Wayne has a shot at ever being president of the NWFA? You don't have to answer that, Chris. Chris, please yeah, answer not? that question. You why think not? he does? He's got yeah. it? Uh-huh. No. He's got listen, what it takes? I'll tell you something. I, and one thing that I, I, I have to talk to you about, Chris, because I, I, it's something that I struggle at. And I've, I've, uh, I'm always, um, I guess, amazed at how well you do this. You're a great public speaker. And uh, oh, thank you. you I don't are. think of myself like that. But. Well, you are. I can tell you that you are. I've seen you in public speaking in probably five or six different settings. And uh, your confidence in, you know, comes across from, from the very beginning. And you're very well spoken. And you really hold an audience. And where does that come from? How did you learn to do that? Because it's something that I have. But before you say this, I'm going I'm to tell you this. <laughs> when I first got a job as a sales rep, I never even considered talking in front of people. I figured I knew floors. I knew I knew the product that I was, you know, going to be representing and, and what you know what could go wrong. And the first time I ever actually speak in front of a a, a large group was uh, there was uh, I think sixty sales reps sitting there, and the guy brought me in that worked with the same company as me, and he says, "Hey, we're uh, I'm going to introduce you, and then we'll just talk about each one of our products." I said, "Fine, Chris." When that door opened up. And I saw all those people, my head went blank. And I was, I, I could, I was, I was literally, I was looking for an exit door to get out of there. And I went into panic mode. I, I, I did our whole line in about five minutes. I didn't even let him introduce me. I could hardly breathe. And we went outside and he looked at me and he goes, what the hell was that? I said, oh my God, I think I got a problem. But how, how are you so good at that? And what, what gives you the confidence? Is that something that you was natural to you? Or how did, how did that come about? Uh, uh, well, I certainly can remember being nervous at, at times. Um, there was a presentation I was asked to do at one of the very, very early NWFA meetings. So maybe 80-something. 80, 80 um, anyway, um, but I knew the subject. I think that's always the big thing. Like you said, you know your product line. And my feeling isn't that I'm making a lecture. It's more like I'm sharing information, like you're talking to friends and people who really do want to know. So if you can explain things like that. Um, and so I thought I, had, I thought I had it down. And then into the front of the auditorium, and it wasn't a big auditorium. It, like I said, it was early days, so the conventions were quite small. Walked my dad and Gary Reynolds who were great friends and sat in the front row and I just almost lost it right there <laughs> and thought, I mean, my hands are sweating right now, actually thinking uh, about it. And, um, but once I got started again, you, you're talking about your product line or your, or the story you want to tell. And it just started to happen. And then you look at the people in the audience and they're nodding their head, hopefully not closing their eyes and going to sleep. And it works out. I'd ask the same of you, that question of you, Rob, uh, you do a great job in the in in uh, in your classroom settings, and every time I see you do public speaking, I mean, you got a way about you that I uh, I it's funny I I study other people because I know I'm so bad at, it. and it's something that I have to work at. So uh, I'd ask you the same thing, Rob. Um, I think I got it from just watching other people that I admired in the business, and uh, how comfortable they were about talking about it. But like Chris said, um. You know, a few years back when my son was in high school, he goes, well, that's it. I can't, uh, I'm not going to be graduating this year. I'm like, you're, you're kidding me. 
what do you mean you're not graduating? He goes, no. He goes, I have to go to summer school for English. And I said, that's your native tongue. How can you be failing English? That's what we speak here in the house. And he said, no, I got to do public speaking. I'm not like you. It's not easy. And I said, well, can you pick the subject? And he said, yeah. I said, well, since you've been, since you could walk, you've been sanding floors. I go, go tell the class how to do a screening coat. And he went up, told the whole class how to do a screen and go. Also, the teacher asked him to stop by over the weekend and take a look yeah. at his floor. So he actually made the sale, too. So I think the other thing about the public speaking with me was it it's kind of easy, like Chris was saying, as long as you know the your subject. You know, I couldn't do public speaking on how to set a computer up or something like that. That would be a horror show. But you know, when I think you're out there talking about stuff that we love and we love doing, I think once you get past that whole looking at the crowd type thing, that's makes everything much easier. Yeah, Rob, I think, I think that's exactly right. I've actually watched videos of you. I've seen you actually do a demonstration and you have that ability to do and talk, which I think is harder than just getting up and speaking what I, what I do that you can actually run the machine, explain what you're doing and why you're doing it that way. And even tell um, like a couple stories uh, in between. I was actually watching that one where you were talking about um, why you don't use the sanding belt attached on both sides and leave typically the left hand just wrapped around the handle. I thought that was great. I am quite amazing. I, <laughs> I, I, I agree with you. Thank you. So, Chris, it's one thing to be boring, born into this business, but uh, obviously you, you have a passion for this. I mean, you don't have to look very far to see the articles that you've written and everything and that, that, that keeps you engaged in this. So what is it? What do you get your most satisfaction from out of this industry? Um, well, I've been in sales since day one. Um, that was what Golden State Flooring was. We were a distributor of flooring, and so we were selling flooring. Um, I enjoy helping somebody find the right product for that particular situation and i particularly enjoy the newer different things the trends i like finding out what the trends are figuring them out or sometimes even kind of creating them um yeah i think that's what i that's what i enjoy the new stuff or the the imaginative things where uh, like the floor of the year stuff i find that really interesting some of the things that a flooring contractor will just conceive of and then not only that but be able to execute well you live in the right place for that i mean uh the way it usually starts on the west coast or you know on on, on the coast or new york and being in the san francisco bay area we a lot of trends do start uh it's kind of interesting being being in that you know in in that in that area hey chris you were talking before about um making trends that's one of the real big things that we um we try to teach everybody in the schools are the people who get on board first with the trends, whether it be white floors or distressed floors, hand scraped, wire brushed, all of those, the people who get in first mm -hmm. are the ones who really make the money of it. So any advice on how to spot those trends? Um, I do a lot. I look at a lot of design magazines. I'm regularly in designers are offices designers more than architects 
unless you're talking about interior architecture, part of an architecture firm. And I'm always looking at what they're doing, not just in flooring, but in everything, furniture, colors, patterns. And I try to remember, I mean, we flooring that we've done, I mean, uh, I think I heard you guys talking about a Tampico brush. Like it's, you know, people think it's something new. I mean, it's so old. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, so the patterns and the things that you can do with wood flooring, for the most part, um, we may be doing the doing that differently, uh, like the wire brushing, etc. But bringing those techniques or having the ability to offer that. So I think it's just really keeping your eyes open and particularly looking at the higher end projects, things that are uh, more, um, you know, beyond perhaps what, where you normally work because they eventually influence that, the direction of middle America. So I was reading your company bio. Um, what were some of those unusual jobs that you supplied? Oh gosh. Well, museums, um, you know, homes of famous people. Um, <sighs> floors installed where they shouldn't have been installed. That that's the one I was kind of looking for. Where'd you put yeah. it? Um, you know, just um, always trying to figure out maybe a, a um, back before we had some of these really great adhesives. Now, um, back when you know the the, the great the the adhesives were, um, gosh, what were they called? They basically would shatter over time if they got a, a uh, um, yeah, ma mastics. Um, well, they'd, they'd um, if they had too much moisture, they would just sort of fracture after time. Wow. Um, anyway, um, and everybody sold them uh, just under different brand names or whatever. But anyway, you know, they would try to install a wood floor in a situation that was low grade, for example, um, built into a hillside, but they had to have a wood floor and to try to build a subfloor that was that you could isolate um, from that amount of moisture pressure. Um, and then still do a glue down floor, you know, building floating subfloors over barriers of, well, you certainly you remember when it all used to be um, felt paper and the, the cutback adhesives. Yep, yep. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Come a long way since then. <laughs> yeah. Well, sometimes people have to have what they want, even when it's not the right thing for them. Yeah. Um, actually, I'll tell you real quickly, uh, a little bit off track, but my, I, it's, it's happened today over the course of the last week. So I'll share it with you. Uh, my brothers were involved in a project where there was a general contractor on the job and, um, um, they worked for the homeowner. However, uh, it was a 4,000 square foot job, a wide plank engineered floor. And when they walked in the, uh, the, the, the general contractor had put down particle board and with a big hump in the middle of the floor. So he, you know, he called me, he goes, I can't lay on top of this. I go, yeah, you're absolutely right. He goes, so I'm working for the homeowner and he goes, and I got a lot going on. He goes, I, you know, I don't want to get in the middle of this, but also I my, you know, my job is with the homeowner. So it, it was a bit of a dilemma for him. So he, he, he uh, said, well, do I just tell her I'm too busy to do the work or do I actually explain the situation? And so he asked, the, he told the contractor first, here's the, here's the deal. You're really, we don't want to lay on top of this and here's the reasons why. And uh, so long story short, it ended up best for it. They all sat down, the homeowners, the, the builder and my brother, and they got together and realized that, all right, this has all got to get tore out and do it the right way. So yeah, it's, uh, it's nice when it, when it happens the way it's supposed to happen. And uh, it's a lot of money sitting there, a lot of liability. What, what, 
what's the one change you'd like to see in the flooring industry? One change? Yeah. I don't think it's a change, but I would say even more training. I don't think we can have, I think, you know, it's great to see companies take on training themselves and not just leave it up to the NWFA or an organization, but, you know, they do their own training. And we used to host often, anytime a manufacturer would come in, they wanted to host a, a little show to explain how do you best use a product line. I just think you just can't get enough training. Um, and I'd just like to see more of it, I guess. I couldn't agree more. And you know, with the, to the choir here, they yeah. saying all the right things. Perfect. <laughs> Just what we need to. That was Chris Coates, everybody. <laughs> uh, there's been so much advances in material and engineered floors and adhesive and what have you, but you, but the training is so important. You yeah, know, these, I, mean, these... I, I was going to say, excuse me, um, but. When I was really young and just starting um, at Golden State full time, because I worked there a lot as a kid, doing the books and cleaning, whatever you know, whatever the job needed to be. Um, but uh, Fred Isaacson, Isaacson, Axel Isaacson Floor Company in mm -hmm. uh, San Francisco, they've been th three generations. Um, he really made it a point to have my dad direct me to come to his job sites and see how they were doing things. Wow. And I found that very, very helpful. Fred really pushed uh, that sort of thing. Meet me down at this large shopping center, Valco Mall, actually it was, and let's look at how this flooring was put in and why and what the issues have been. I mean, that's training too, to me, that's also training. It's not the hands-on training that Rob, like you do, but it's, it's just as important. Um, we used to send everybody at, that worked for us at Golden State Flooring to the, at that time, to the NOFMA schools. Everybody eventually ended up going through one of those um, schools. Hey, Chris, uh, yeah. who were some of your mentors growing up watching people in the business? Oh, well, oh, certainly, I mean, Fred, because he made it a point that uh, I needed to learn. Um, very early on, Mickey Moore. I got sent, like we all did, to the Nofma School in Memphis. And then for some reason, he called up and invited me to come out and be a uh, assistant to an instructor. And I started coming every year, twice a year. And that was very important to my career. It introduced me to a lot of different people in the industry, but it also showed me, I'd hear talking, you know, after hours or even during the class, I'd learn about all these different styles of both types of flooring that were used and also installation methods and concerns from different parts of the country. I found that very interesting. Uh, out on the West Coast where we're located in the San Francisco area, we're, we've been very blessed. We've got kind of an ideal climate, I think, for wood flooring. We don't have a lot of expansion and contraction. From, uh, from the early days, we were able to sell seven inch wide plank solid that uh, you could successfully install just by nailing down. So, um, so definitely Mickey, um, John Wallace from Boral Timber. Did you ever meet him, Wayne? No, I don't know John. No. Yeah, they uh, large manufacturer of Australian hardwoods, and mm -hmm. I met him again through uh, my father and in the industry, and I ended up working with him, helping him design a product um, of Australian wood that was um, packaged and milled to the U.S. standards dried first of all to wow, our standards wow. because they use different packaged in nested bundles so that it could fit in a container and come over but still keep a good average length 
Um, so he was really important. That's not a little challenging all the way from Australia. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was fun. It didn't come right the first time, but it got there. And then of course, uh, Johnny McSwain, who was the first president of the uh, uh, NWFA and invited me uh, onto her um, executive board. And then finally, probably one of the more influential women in my life has been Vicki Dryden, who's just unfortunately yeah. recently passed. That's right. Yeah. And um, she's the first one that dragged me out to go do face-to-face -face sales out, outside of the office. I was like, what? We have to leave here to go see people? What? You can't get me. <laughs> You know, it's it's interesting because uh, I, I think it's such a mistake for 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 and, and such a boon for people that do that for people that are in sales that don't mm -hmm. take the time to go to the classes in the schools, even though you're not going to be sanding all day. But what you can learn from from these schools, from the installation side and the sanding side, to me, it, it uh, man, what it could do to your career and the confidence it could give you to go out there and sell the product that you you understand the process, you understand about acclimation, and you understand, like you said early on in this podcast the right product for the right application. You know what yes. I mean? I, I, and I, I think that's so important that you get at these schools, whether or not you're going to be a floor mechanic at all. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're right. Because going back to uh, the Australian company, Boral Timber, I was trying to explain to them the importance of nested bundles and packaging a certain way and how we laid floor, very different than how they laid floor at that time. Um, and they sent over their one of their sales guys, Malcolm Johnson, and I hooked him up with, I'm going to think it was West Coast Flooring, Bob Garcia, oh, yeah. um, who put him on a gap job. So he landed, and then that <laughs> day, I think it was exactly that day, he was laying out a big job and watching how the guys would rack the floor. Some would be racking behind, and the other, or some would be nailing, the other ones would be racking forward of them. Uh -huh. And he finally understood how you know it's it's the project's not supposed to take a month it's supposed to get done quickly and that's how the contractor makes his money okay <laughs> we another reason we wanted you to have have you on here chris is that um uh, you know there's a lot of contributions in the industry that we that that are that that are you know you see a lot of women in that you don't necessarily you know uh see every day such as chemists and that Bona has chemists that are that are that are that are women in the marketing and the product management and the running businesses. And after all, Bona CEO, CEO is a is a Kirsten is a is a lady. And if you look at our management across the board, there. So for for anybody who has a young daughter that's, that that has a passion for the flooring industry, like you had a passion for the flooring industry, I think it's just you know certainly there's avenues that we're seeing more and more women installers today. Some fantastic installers, some women mm -hmm. owned businesses in the country uh, but there's also other if you have a, a a passion for this industry there's a lot of other avenues you can go down um, certainly uh, uh, in the design world as well uh, we do we do webinars and, and what, what have you for architects and designers where you see a lot of the influences that they have in this industry uh, so there's a lot there's a lot of opportunity uh, in there and, I, and like I said um, that women are some of the biggest consumers of, of the flooring products after all. So it, to me, it, it makes sense. So I think, I think there's always probably Wayne, as you know, been more women in this business than we've ever really acknowledged just because as I grew up, women tended to stay more in the background. Mm -hmm. They did the bookkeeping for the family business. Um, they, you know, they were, um, 
they were the movers that you just didn't see. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, their husbands were out there, you know, being the man or the, the face of the business, but, but they were the ones that they sat down with them and, and made decisions together. Um, but you're right. I remember even, um, gosh, back in, uh, late seventies, early eighties, I'm trying to think when they started, um, Terrell and Leslie, uh, in San Francisco, they had a, a flooring contracting firm, t uh, tag team, they called themselves after Terrell, Terrell Tag's last name. Um, and I was just so impressed with them, mostly because you remember what the equipment was like then. Yep. This was before, you know, <laughs> belt sanders were really around. Yep. Um, I just, how they hustled that stuff, I have, I have no idea. But the newer equipment, I think, is certainly making it easier. For the most part, we have to acknowledge, you know, it's the stuff, it's heavy. It's heavy for anybody to be moving yeah. and, and doing and, and newer equipment. Uh, newer technologies are certainly making it more accessible for women to do. Yeah, 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 for sure. And so what do you find yourself doing these days, Chris? Uh, what, 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 uh, what keeps you busy? Well, besides the gardening I was just doing at <laughs> my house, yeah. I sell wood flooring. Yeah, well, you want to talk about that a little bit? Well, I mean, I, I work with mostly with architects and designers. Um, and talk to them about newer products, but also specifically become their resource to try to help them find the right product that suits the design sensibility, but still will end up being a successful installation so okay. that the client will be happy. And, and I try to give them some ideas. You know, it doesn't all have to be a straight laid plank wall to wall. I mean, we're recent, we're currently doing, or just supplied, we're not doing because I don't install, but a, um, large chevron that's about 13 inches wide plank engineered by wow. seven foot odd so a huge wow. chevron Holy smokes wow yeah. mm. and we did and we did one for a a, a real dynamic uh, supplied material for a real dynamic team in um london where it was uh, a black 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 um chevron but the boards every few boards had a little routed edge so they could drop a brass strip in on this oh, pre-finished wow. floor exactly nice. as much. Yeah. Wow. And wow. The, the gloss levels of the black were different. Really? So, yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> it was just, it was a really trick floor. I mean, stuff like that's a lot of fun. Yeah, no doubt. Mm -hmm. What direction do you think the, the, the flooring is going in the, where do you see this going in the future? I mean, it, uh, you know, we're seeing more LVT, LVP type products get into the industry now. I'm, I'm, you know, we saw this before with the, with the uh, Ergos and Wilson Arts. I think this is a little bit different. But um, you think that trend is going to swing back a little bit more towards hardwood floors, or uh, uh, and I, and I do think the engineered pre-finished floors are obviously here to stay. But I think there's always going to be a place for the uh, for the floor man that sand and finishes. So, what your thoughts on that a little bit? I think that the um the solid wood floor is going to become, you know, perhaps other than the two and a quarter strip dimension, um, but the solid wood floor of different potential species, whether it be cherry or ash or maybe quarter sawn oak, um, is going to become more and more the luxury product. Mm -hmm. So because it's going to take that specialized con flooring contractor that really has the knowledge and the skill to install it and sand and finish it properly. Um, so I actually just stayed at a condo this past week and I was up at Mammoth Lakes and it had an LVT floor and I 
you know, it was, it looked pretty darn good and it certainly held up for its purpose. You know, they ran it all the way through the bathroom. I would never have done that in a rental condo with real wood flooring, right? right. So, I mean, it has its place, but when you're doing, you know, the, the large ranch in Montana, you're probably not going to go for LVP. Right. You're going to yep. go for something that's going to be there forever. And I think that what we're probably going to see is that the specialty solid wood flooring and the sanding and finishing, even if it's engineered sand and finish, is going to become more of that kind of luxury item. Yep. Yep. So the higher end. Yeah, we're all challenges uh, across the country with, uh, and I thought when I was in California, it was mostly just in California, but the labor shortage is across, the, the you know, everywhere. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that kind of, but uh, I think there'll always be a play for someone that sands and finishes and, and, uh, and the, the, all these pre-finished floors out there eventually will need to be sanded. So yeah, it's going to be interesting how, how it shapes the future of us. How's Jack? Jack's good. He's doing very well. He's uh, written a romance novel. I know, Rob. Yeah. Did he really? He did. Wayne was just saying today, he is a renaissance man. Uh, yeah. Does floors, and now he's a writer. I'll send you the link, Wayne. I meant to do uh, that. Um, uh, okay, I looked it up when you told oh, me did that. You, Jackie yeah, Campbell yeah, Walker. Yeah, yeah. He yes, did it as I, a girl. I, yes, uh, yeah. she was um, uh, some actress that went uh, from London. Yes. That, yeah. Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. And it's all about a contractor that lives in Marin, and it's definitely him, and it's definitely not me. That's cool. That's pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> I'll have to let my know. I have to let my wife know that, all right, he wrote a book. Oh, it's too. called Alicia, <laughs> Alicia Darwin Sorts It Out. Alicia Darwin Sorts It Out. Okay. No, yeah. no, Wayne. Tell Judy, he didn't write a book. He wrote a romance novel. Oh, there right? you go. Anybody can write a book. Yeah. No, right? not anybody. Anybody can write book. a book. Wayne, Wayne and I can, we can write a cookbook, but not a romance novel. Yeah. That's a That's whole pretty. different level of writing. Yeah, it's a pretty fast read, but it's it's fun. It's real good. fun. Good, good. I'll have to talk to him about that. Uh, I'm yeah. very, actually, yeah, very interested in that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, thank you very much, Chris. I really yeah, appreciate thanks. it very much. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, good to see you too, likewise. And again, tell and, and happy anniversary. That's a big deal. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Would you say 25 years? 25. 25 years today. 25. Wow. No kidding. That's awesome. Thank you, Chris. I want to thank you for your time. I appreciate it. Uh, seeing you, you're, you're seeing you again. Yep. I just wanted to tell you one thing, because I was listening to your 18-year-old story, what the two of you, your little podcast that you did just a short while ago. Yep. And Wayne, I got to tell you, I always remember you. You talked about how serious you were, how you didn't really take time off, and you didn't enjoy it as much mm -hmm. as you might have while you were doing it. Yep. And I always remember you with these lines across your forehead, you always had like, not a frown, you never looked <laughs> unhappy, but you always looked like really concentrating, real serious about everything you were doing. Yeah, that's a fact. <laughs> no, I mean, you were, you were a pleasure yeah. to do business with because, yeah. you know, you cared. You know, to me, it's always, that's always what we've looked for is the, the fellow who actually cares about what he's doing. Yeah, and I, I again, I, uh, you know, your, your family, your dad and everybody in this industry have been, been uh, you know, I taught you, asked you about uh, your mentors. I mean, that they were mentors to me. I mean, the knowledge that they passed on. I mean, and uh, so, yeah. So it's a pleasure, really a pleasure to get to see you and talk to you again. And we didn't get a chance to see each other at the NWFA, 
uh, with the thing going on. And yep. hopefully in our travels, I'll see you down the road. But thank you very much for making the time. Rob and I really okay, appreciate it. Okay, well, thank it. you, Wayne. And nice seeing you yep. again, Rob. It's been a while. Nice seeing you, Chris. Take care. See you. So this, this has been another episode of On the Floor with Wayne and Rob. Please stay tuned for another episode.